0: Well, I was going to say, or, and especially... In the area that I'm in now, I live it every day, like in Frederick, Maryland, which was within that 50-mile buffer around Washington, D.C. You can live the American dream if you work for the government, if you work for a government contractor, if you're getting a contract from the government. You know, all those people are doing pretty well here, but you have to get into bed with this giant, huge, you know, fascist government system if you want a chance at living the American dream here, everyone else is like I swear it's crazy, Dan. It's like ninety-five percent of people you talk to here either work for the government or are in bed with some government contractor. Like even like a plumber who's doing well, you're like, wow, cool. You're doing what do you do? Our company uh, builds buildings for the government. Like everything is the government here. So uh, uh, you know, in this country, it's just the way it is. But you're right, man. There are. You know, these alternate re- realities, I learned that when I was younger, too. And, like, there are different cultures, and some cultures, um, like, you don't really say that culture or my culture is better than other cultures, but if everyone lived in peace and just respected each other's cultures, it would be a much better world.
1: Well, and, you know, and it's like the old old saying, you, know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you know, eat the chicken, spit out the bones. You know, you can learn things from other people's cultures. That can be beneficial in your life without you having to be a part of that culture or assimilate yourself into that culture. I just can't go become a Mexican Indian. You know, it's just it's right. not gonna just not gonna happen. I, I was born the wrong color, and uh, and I, I've lived in the West too long. Uh, Western part of the Western, you know, philosophy and, and uh, empirical uh, reasoning and things like that, uh, but. I can learn things from, from my friends who did grow up in that culture and hopefully use it to make myself a better person and to be able to treat others better. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the thing. It makes, maybe makes you more open-minded and accepting of other people's beliefs. That, that, that you're not, It's not that, you know, we're, we, we can't, Americans tend to think we're right and everybody else is wrong. And that's not true. Not everybody else is wrong. And just because I might not agree with everything they think or believe uh, doesn't mean that I can't find something positive that uh, I can use in my life to help, you know, those around me.
0: Yeah, let me let me just ask you, because that's interesting. Where do you think that came from? Because you've been around on this earth much longer than I have. Where do you think that idea came from that we're right and you're wrong and not really understanding, you know, geopolitics or being, um, uh, respective of other people's, uh, cultures of other cultures. Is that from propaganda well, I from the government? Prob-
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it was, like I said, I grew up believing general Custer was the good guy. You know, <laughs> there's bad old Indians out there. You know, they, they ambushed one of our uh, great war heroes, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you start reading about some of the massacres that we perpetrated on, uh, native peoples. And, you know, with the fact that we, we gave them smallpox infected blankets, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we were, we were doing these horrible, terrible things, uh, and, and we were stealing their land at the same time. Uh, and so they fought back. And because they dared to fight back against, you know, Western expansion and manifest destiny while they wouldn't get with the program, uh, that makes them the bad guys. And we're the good guys because, you know, General Custer was the good guy. And then you read about the Sand Creek Massacre and some of these other things. And you go like, wow, no, you know, he deserved to get shot, you know, or scalped or whatever. Uh, I don't think they scalped him. They. They respected him as a military leader, but, um, but yeah, I think it's all propaganda. I think it it was drilled into our heads. I mean, there was a reason why uh, I kind of became disillusioned with that whole thing. Is when you know, when all of a sudden the you know the curtains pull back and you see that the great and powerful Oz is just a guy you know running a machine, yeah. And and you you realize, hey, you know this stuff they've been telling me you know all my life uh doesn't seem to be adding up. It doesn't seem to be true. So if that's if that's the case, what else isn't true? Um you know, and and, and that's what gave me my healthy distrust of all things authoritative. A hundred percent. And those types of yeah, yeah, absolutely propaganda. Yeah,
0: and those type of stories you tell right there, like the smallpox blankets and others, those are the things I've read about over the years that make me say, uh, when the government is all lined up to offer me a jab or the government now wants to give me a ketamine, I say, uh, no thanks, fellas. Uh (laughs) you can keep that for yourselves, boys. What do you think I haven't read about the smallpox blankets? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna line up so you and Bill Gates could stick a jab in my arm. Good good luck with that one folks
1: well, you know mike has been talking about for a while you know what is happening in europe because because of the war with russia and ukraine and the the fuel shortages that people are facing to where they're not going to have adequate heat in their homes and they're going to oh, yeah. have to all shower. whole family's got to shower together you know to conserve water and there'll be one building in town where you can go to get warm but you can't have heat in your house and and all that, and it, it's it's just a matter of time, you know. When people are going to start rebelling about against that, beware when the government comes and offers you a blanket. They oh, have a bad track uh, yes! Record with that.
0: What a great—I mean, okay, that's a fantastic. Um, that's a fantastic ending. And you, and this is all true, um, you know, because obviously my wife, her parents are in Poland. And so we went and visited. So we get intelligence from on the ground there. And no, I, I went and visited a couple of the coal mines when I was there, which they're closing down one. The people in Poland think it has to do with it running out of coal. I found all this stuff that it's actually part of the Agenda 2030 stuff out of the UN and all this new climate nonsense. So there are people like her father uh, had to wait like eight hours. Hours to pick up coal, and it's literally costing them almost like a year's salary to get two years worth of coal. Some people are now burning garbage over oh. there. So the stories that we're reading here, uh, and people go, "Oh, that's fake." A lot of this stuff isn't fake. It's actually happening right now. You know, when you talk to uh, people over there. Uh, sadly my, my plan a couple of months ago was to get the hell out of here and move to Poland and then when I realized that the United States was building the army base there um, I said oh shit I better rethink these plans <laughs> my goal was to flee the United States
1: well you know the, the government allows us they perpetrate these situations to make us um, need them. We need them for food. We need them for fuel. We need them for protection. We need them for everything. Uh, and they've got the game rigged to where, in a sense, you really do. I mean, if the fuel's been cut off, you know, nobody in Europe's going to go out and dig in their yard and hope to find an oil well and uh, or a coal mine. Uh, so, yeah, they're facing, it's really going to get cold over there and we don't have any fuel what are we going to do who's the only person you can look to well the only, the only entity you can look to is the government so yep. i think you know they're engineering these scenarios that will make us dependent i mean look at what they did with with farms in this country um i've got um a, a relative whose whose family is are, are farmers and uh i was talking to to the guy who runs the family farm now and you know and he was saying that you know the fertilizer, the cost of fertilizer has gone up so much that most of the people he knows who are farmers can't afford to do it. If they, if they buy the fertilizer and even if their crop turns out, you know, perfect and they can sell it to the highest bidder, uh, they're still going to lose money. They're going to go broke for the, for the year's work because of the cost of the fertilizer. Uh, so, and if you don't have the fertilizer, then the quality of your goods are going to go down. So you're not going to make as much money. And he said, you know, what I see happening right now is he says, I see the government wanting to control the means of food production and the means of of energy. That is where this is going. And, you know, he's a pretty, you know, straight guy. You know, this is the kind of guy, you know, when he shakes your hand, looks you in the eye, you know, you can take that to the bank, so to speak. You know, he's a salt-to-the-earth kind of person. He doesn't deal with speculation and, and um and, and science fiction and, and conspiracy theories you know he, he his his life is too pragmatic uh he gets up early in the morning and he stays up late at night you know doing farm work and stuff and i think he sees things a lot more clearly from his position than many 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 people in this country do and you know we got a little taste of it during the covid shutdowns. So we go to the grocery store and there's no toilet paper and the shelves are empty and you know the food's gone and and it it didn't It wasn't allowed to get so bad that we ended up having food riots or anything like that. But it could have. When I went into the grocery store and I saw the shelves empty and I saw people looking around like they just couldn't believe it, I thought, you know, this could turn into something really ugly real fast. And who better to come in and fix the problem than the government? We're going to get you some food. Don't you worry. You know, shortage of gas. We're going to get you some gas. We're going to get, you know, and and then you start looking at these guys in order for them to do that. Then they have to take control of the fuel. They have to take control of the food production. They have to take control of all these things. But people will welcome that if their bellies are full and their houses are warm and they've taken over, like Khrushchev said, without firing a shot.
0: Hundred percent. That's it. It's all under perceived convenience and perceived security. And people are willing to give away their liberty, their freedom, their uh, human autonomy time and time again. And that's exactly what I saw when that was going on. You know, when I see these trucker convoys, I go, that would be nice if the truckers were really doing this. But I fear in the end, what that'll lead to is, Hey, the human truckers are bad. We have autonomous robot trucks stand on standby to make sure the food gets to you. And every time they create a hiccup in the supply chain, it allows them to f- further consolidate the supply chain under an Amazon type model. They're able to further take people uh, out of their jobs, move them into the gig industry, and then control the means of distribution. And this is all part of the technocratic model I mentioned earlier, which is the uh, scientists and engineers controlling – the means of production, and the means of distribution, which is really just a communist model. This time it operates under technology. And that's really Amazon is the prime example of how that works. So everyone who develops things has to sell it into the Amazon hub. And then Amazon has control over the means of distribution. And so when they want to start to ration goods, that's how it can all be done. Somebody like Amazon tomorrow could take over the food supply and they could just close all the brick and mortar stores and what gets delivered to your house, that's all you're going to get. I mean, that's where they're going with this. It's pretty clear to see it.
1: Yeah. And and we end up like, um, well, my parents actually went to the Soviet Union back when it was the real Soviet Union. Um, And, you know, they talked about how, um, you know, people stood in line, you know, for hours and hours just to get certain items of food. You went to the you stood in the cheese line or you stood in the bread line or you stood in the milk line or the meat line and, and, and you don't get to go pick out what you want, you, you, when you get up there, they hand you something and that's what you get. And if you turn it down, then you get out of the way and the next guy gets it and you go away with nothing. And, um, so, you know, it's, um, it, it, they're setting us up, they're setting the whole country yeah, up. Yeah. They're setting the whole world up, uh, no, for yeah, them to be you know, in charge.
0: I mean it was really interesting when I met my wife because she grew up with that uh, until about 1989 to 1991 there was different phases of when the Soviets move out of Poland but she remembers uh, her parents having food vouchers, her parents were telling me about it through her interpreting you know what it was like growing up under that uh, system so people here in America we've gotten fat and lazy and don't realize what it means of course with us it comes in the form of a stimulus check soon to be universal basic yeah. income and so that's how they do it now or they move you into welfare or they put you on uh adderall or eventually ketamine and hand you a disability check so they have ways of moving people into that system as well and uh, you know you see it all all converging i'm going to just continue to keep researching and trying to figure out where it goes so again people can try to avoid this stuff as much as possible in their personal lives that's all you can really do at this point
1: you know, didn't Andrew uh, Yang, the guy who ran for president, didn't he talk about this—that we need to start thinking about having uh, a, a living wage being given to people because we're going to be replacing all their jobs with robots?
0: Yes, he's um, also. And we got to do
1: something. We got to do something with the folks. And and he was he was talking about this, and people even at that time were kind of laughing at him and going like, "Ah, come on, you're you're a crazy man. You know, you've been watching too many Terminator movies or something." And uh, but it, really, what he was saying is the truth. That's that's what's on the docket. And uh, oh yeah, and well, he, well, he, he kind of took the hit for that. Well,
0: Yang was also his biggest backer was Elon Musk, who wants UBI, and uh, Yang is also yeah. on the top one hundred list of people in the influential psychedelic space. So, <laughs> so Andrew Yang is yeah. tied in to the whole system. But see, that's eventually where they want to push it now you know look if they give you a thousand dollars a month like he wanted to do or two thousand dollars a month of it, whatever it may be that's just basically a temporary bribery like the stimulus check to keep you quiet until they decide what they're going to do with you so when you've all know harari has even said you know with these useless humans we'll just give them drugs and video games that's basically what it is give you psychedelics pop a vr headset on your head until they decide what they're going to do with you uh you know I, I don't know whether they're going to execute you whether they're going to turn you into a, a human air filter I've, i have no idea what they're going to do with you i've seen plans for literally turning bodies into dna storage hard drives to power the big data needed they talk about you know, turning humans into batteries. I mean, I'm sure they have plans for people. If Bill Gates can get up on a stage and show a formula at TED Talk saying this is how we innovate to zero carbon, I'm sure they have plans in their internal meetings who they go, okay, we're going to use 1.5 million of these people for this. We're going to use 2 million of them for this. I mean, they admit they have all the data, that the data is the gold. So I'm pretty sure they already know what's going to happen to most people.
1: Well, and, and you know, it's it's just it's as, as we look out and we we see all these things starting to happen, and you know, like I said, I was kind of amazed, you know, that Yang actually came out with that that declaration. You know, I thought, okay, that's you know, is is he tipping a hand somewhere about this stuff? And I think that many Americans are are kind. I don't I don't know how to say this and not sound condescending. I think they're good people who want to think good about everybody. They want to think good about their neighbors. They want to think good about their elected representatives. That there are people in government who really are there to help them. And and because again, we've been programmed to think that way for so long, and we've never you know really paid attention to the snakes in the grass. And that's going to be the hard thing. Uh, When one's, you know, one can take hard times. Okay. It's hard times. We have a depression. We just buckle down. We save our money. We reuse paper towels or whatever, you know, like our grandparents used to do. Uh, My grandmother used to take paper towels and when she was done washing with them, she would rinse them out and hang them up on the clothesline with a clothespin and reuse them. That's the depression mindset that got into these people and they got tough and they got through it. But, You know, they still believed that the government was there to help them. They still believed that people were good and that people, you know, wanted to do right. But when your illusions get shattered and disillusionment sets in, that's a whole different matter. That's not just tough times. You're broken at that point. And if you're broken, you're easily conquered. Yeah,
0: oh, definitely. And I think one of the big things you're starting to see now all by design, I mean, pretty much this phase of COVID land, the high school theater production was written about in some of the tabletop exercises, including Spar's pandemic. So now you're seeing Tucker Carlson's allowed to go on TV and say, well, MRNA is leaching through breast milk. And they're saying... Women's menstrual cycles are being affected by the mRNA. You're having Pfizer admit that they didn't do any testing on people before they rolled out the drug. So I think this is going to be the beginning of this huge, you know, mind break that you're talking about because... The way it's moving, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a month, two months, three months from now they send out Fauci on TV on Tucker and he goes, yes, we were trying to kill most people. And it's just like, what? I mean, the more, the more that they go forward with this, the more they're just admitting to it. And it's not because... I don't believe because of pushback by people like Mike or me. The, the, the politicians, the elites, don't have to perform for everyone. They've already proven to themselves worldwide that they have complete and total control over the masses. So they don't have to perform for anyone. There's no revolution, armed revolution against them. I think a lot of this is about like mind-breaking people. Because people who went and got the jab or jabs or the boosters for whatever reason... Whether they believed in it, whether they did it because they were afraid they were going to get fired from work, whether they did it because they thought it was going to help grandma and save her. A lot of these people are going to be mind broken if or when these guys just basically come out. It's sort of a slow roll right now, but come out and basically say, yeah, everything the conspiracy theorist said was correct. you know how many people will basically go crazy over that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what better, what better thing to have happen if you're trying to push uh, psychedelic therapies on people? <laughs> exactly. Put them you in a the state where they need it, where they have to have it.
0: Yeah, it's it's ins- it, you know d- d- it's insanity. I think that's part of uh, you know when you, when you say experiment with this stuff a while ago. I think like the real stuff or the spirituality or being able to. Uh, Put yourself into the mindset of other cultures, as you mentioned earlier, and respect other cultures. Part of it, I think, is expanding your mind in ways that allows you allowed you later in life to think this way, to kind of look at the pure evil. Because I do see, as you mentioned a couple minutes ago, my whole life, a lot of people that don't have the ability to put their mind into the mindset of a psychopath. So when people ask me over the years, as I've been in and out of this alternative media game, and I've uh, talked about things that end up coming true a year or two later and they go, God, how did you think of that? And I say, I don't know. I just have this ability sometimes to think like a psychopath then i take whatever i come up with and i multiply it times a thousand because i'm obviously not a psychopath i'm not out to hurt people but that's how i do it i kind of put my mind i go listen if i were these guys and i wanted to get xyz done and i'm not afraid to hurt anybody and i probably want to kill people how would i do it And I think part of that, like, your journey using the psychedelics or experimenting years ago allows you to kind of think more creatively and to put your mindset not just into the mind of, you know, better cultures or more accepting cultures, but also into the mind of, like, these evil people. This is how you can, like, kind of think ahead and look and see what they're doing.
1: Well, I think one of the things that, you know, and and I don't don't recommend it uh, to, to anybody, you know, I don't mean to you know, try to give any sort of illusion that, you know, drug use is a good thing. You sh- everybody should try it. Everybody should experiment with it. That is not even close to, to what I'm, I'm saying here. I think one of the things for me was, like, I was facing disillusionment myself because I have been told all the good guys, you know, then uh, I found out they weren't really the good guys. And, and I was dealing with some disillusionment. And I think the thing that that, that the psychedelic experience has helped me do was it helped distance me from the people who were running the show. I was not I was not thinking like them. I could not think like them and do psychedelics, you know. That would have really made me crazy. And it was huh. it was a, a break from a reality I didn't want to be a part of. And I still don't want to be a part of it. But I don't need, you know, mind altering chemicals to make that happen anymore. Um in that day and time, the you know the youth of the country were rebelling, and you know you, you had the, the hippie culture versus the the hawk, uh, you know, ultra conservative you know people out there, and the the use of psychedelics created a break, uh, stepping over the line. So I could not be like them, you know, like people said, you know, like why did you grow your hair out long and your beard and all that. And I said, so if I was walking down the street next to one of these people, you know, who looked good and had clean shaven and short haircut and suit and tie and and all that, if, if they see me walking next to them, they might think I'm a drug addict. They might think I'm an outlaw or a thief, but the one thing they would think, or they wouldn't think, is they wouldn't think I was anything like that person. Right. And I would rather be seen as an outlaw or a thief than I would be like some of the people who run our country. I don't want to be thought of like them. I'm not like them. And, you know, the psychedelic experience helped to kind of concrete feel that in my mind. And, uh, but like I said, do I recommend it? No, I don't. I think it's it's too dangerous in the wrong hands. And right now, all the wrong hands are doing it. You know, for a while, it was fun. It was some of the things that were going on. It was fun. It was You learn something and and then you moved on, but uh, it it was kind of the line of demarcation between their world, which I didn't want to be a part of. I didn't really know which world I wanted to be in, but I know I didn't want to be in theirs, and uh, it it helped to, um, you know, seal my thinking on that kind of thing, and in that sense, maybe it was good, but it's not the kind of thing that I would necessarily do again if I had the chance, you know. Um, or would recommend to others, and I just you know, want to make that clear. I'm not a wistful, you know, you know, hippie from the '60s who, oh, if we could just get everybody to smoke pot, everything would be great. We'd all have peace and love, and you know, and everybody would be the, the family of man. I don't believe that in a heartbeat. <laughs> you know uh, that that was real pie, real pie in the sky for that day and time.
0: Yeah, well, and I was saying the thing I said earlier and I've mentioned on the show, too, is now that all of the usual suspects from government to the private sector behind this push nobody even knows what the so-called psychedelics you could get your hands on today are anyway. I mean, pretty much all of this stuff is being, you know, lab created, it's already, I mean it's just like walking into any of these government pot shops and buying the marijuana. That's not the marijuana that your hippie neighbor is growing uh, in secret in his garden. You know, these aren't necessarily mushrooms that somebody's picking off of deer droppings out in the woods in the backyard. Who knows what the government has disseminated at this point um, this is part of why I think yes. <laughs> they took it under control over the last hundred years because now it's coming back out but it's fully regulated by them they've consolidated that power similar to going over to World War II then in the Cold War and coming back and consolidating monopolizing all of this transhumanist technocratic technology taken from the Nazis taken from the Soviets who knows what the hell these drugs are at this point um, that our government has manipulated or released who
1: knows these are drugs that are made and being put out to the american public by the great great grandchildren of the people who gave the indians smallpox infected (laughs) blankets you know (laughs) so you know no i don't think so
0: (laughs) exactly that that's the big point i try to make i don't i don't
1: i don't need to get high that bad
0: well that well that's the big point i make to the audience like you have no clue with it like let's say sydney gottlieb's experiments running from you know 1953 to let's say when he actually left like 1974 let's say they were successful at figuring out how to mind hack and mind bend people blow their minds away and replace it with new memories and as i've showed people different army doctors talking about doing similar things with the technology we have now let's say that was successful and and Now is the beginning of the big rollout of whatever the hell they're going to give you, labeled as psilocybin mushrooms. Which they admit the stuff that they're giving out is not; it's synthetic psilocybin that they're building in these government-sanctioned labs. So that's why I say to people, you have no freaking clue what the hell this monster government did. And like you said, that could be the uh, that could be the smallpox blanket. You know, Agent Orange, any of these other things, nobody knows what the hell the government is giving to its people.
1: (laughs) Smallpox blankets that make Jimi Hendrix records sound good. (laughs) (laughs) But. uh, All right, Dan. (laughs) You know, uh, know, and and again.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. no, I was I was going to say uh you can finish up with what you were going to say there and then I was going to say any, any final thoughts before uh we wrap up besides uh don't take a warm blanket if you can't afford heating oil this year
1: <laughs> or a warm jo- or a warm joint <laughs> if they <laughs> offer you one a warm bong hit. <laughs> uh, I was going to, you know, say something I think is interesting because you know where we tend to be going in this country. It's like I said we're 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 trading our rights for safety and security and peace. And like I said, I was in the ministry, so I have to I have to end on a ministerial note, but there's an interesting verse that the Apostle Paul wrote in First Thessalonians, and it says, while people are saying there is peace and there is security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And no matter what side of what religion you may be on or not be on, Uh, I think that is pretty much sums up what we're looking at. You know, we want peace. We want safety. We want security. We want all this because we want our house to be warm. We want food in the grocery stores. We want cheap gas. We want all this stuff. And at the same time, while we're wanting that, the people who are promising to give it to us are the people who uh, are doctoring the blankets and and, and the government pot. Wow, that's very good you're not careful, you're going to get it, you know. So I think we, this is a good time for all of us to keep our ears to the railroad track, uh, watch the magician and not the pretty girl in the bathing suit, uh, and do what we can to help each other to the point to where your neighbor doesn't have to rely on the government either. You know, if you can share a little bit of food or share a little bit of warmth or share a little bit of something, you know, so that people don't have to rely on the government. Uh, that's a good thing. That's that's a that's a good thing you can do with your life. And um, because these people are nefarious, they're evil. They're evil. And um, like old George Harrison said, "Beware of darkness."
0: That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Dana, thank you very much uh, for your time hey, today. I really it's do appreciate fun. it.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, people are going to uh, probably be sending me tin foil helmets and things like that now <laughs> when they listen to this. And, uh, um You know, government agents will turn up at my door with uh, some ketamine or something like that. uh, I'll let you know if
0: they do. Hey, man, you know, no, this is fascinating. I I mean, this is why I keep reaching out to uh, the audience. I'm saying, listen, if you've got stuff you've researched over the years, stop over because otherwise I'm sitting here staring into my camera every single day, seven days a week, and um, I just have to listen to myself talk. And sometimes I swear to God, I go crazy over here. I'm like, if I look at one more thing that these crazy people are doing without talking. To, I have to be able to bounce these things off uh, real people out there. So anyone who's got any you know, good information, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the show. I find these talks to be fascinating because I pick up a lot of things from my conversations and direct messages with people like yourself, stuff that I don't have time to read. And right now I feel like we're on this freight train and we're moving at warp speed and sometimes people throw stuff at me and I'm like, listen, I, I wish I could i don't have time to read seven books right now between everything that's going on in my life and trying to do this show but if you've read them come on the show and talk about them you know help educate the audience so dana i really do appreciate it um
1: and uh no i don't think you have to worry about the government i appreciate the opportunity but i I appreciate even more you know that we've gone off the rails on a couple of topics today but in the end run I am I am really glad and I'm really thankful and I'm really appreciative of the fact that what you put out, like you said, you don't put out anything that you can't prove. And that's good because a lot of the topics that we talk about today, there's a lot of nuts that talk about them too. And you're putting out good, solid information that can be backed up and can be found and can be proved. And that is a gift, man. That is really a gift. That's uh you know, when you know you can trust your sources, you sleep better at night. Well,
0: so thank, thank you, you for, for that. doing that.
1: I appreciate your integrity and 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 putting out good stuff that we can prove. Well, I, it's fun I to appreciate talk about the other that. stuff, but you know,
0: <laughs> no, no. Listen, I appreciate that, and I tried to make it a point on the show. It was kind of in my list of. You know, four or five rules I was going to follow. When I get to the point that is my opinion, uh, I always try to say, "Okay, this is my opinion." Where I think this is going, or based on this, this is what I think they might be doing. Because obviously, you know, I like to be able to inject my own opinions. And again, the other thing I try to remind the audience too is, listen, I'm reading from sources. I tell you where it's coming from. Could the author of the article be lying? Yes. Could the journalist who wrote the book be a liar yes could the government documents that they based it on be lies yes so that's your job to try to decide whether or not you believe those sources now you can believe me that i'm giving you these sources i'm not just you know stealing the information and then making it up and then because because like you said there's all kinds of stuff out there i had somebody the other day send me something that um scott gottlieb the head of the fda uh under trump was Sidney Gottlieb's grandson. So I spent like 15 minutes, that's it, Online And I found Sidney Gottlieb's obituary, found the name of his four children. Then I went and found Scott Gottlieb, looked it up, figured out who his father was. I'm like, okay, his father is Dr. Stanley Gottlieb. His father is not one of the kids of Sidney. So it's like, you know, that kind of stuff gets spread around everywhere. And I don't want to be part of disseminating that stuff uh, here on this show. So I'm very careful what I talk about. And when I do talk about things that come from Annie Jacobson or from Stephen Kinzer or from Military doctors i always tell people what the source is i try to read the full articles and that way you know you can decide part of this is the audience has to be engaged enough to make decisions on their own You know, don't trust everything that i'm presenting to you that's why i try to really be honest and transparent about where the where the sources are coming from
1: well it's like mike says if you find a truth teller hang on to them (laughs) <laughs> so we're All, here right, well, well, Dustin. <laughs> All
0: right, well, I'll hang on to you, uh, Dana. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold.
1: The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to
0: change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv.